0: Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajisad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I'll just reiterate that Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and you can find our work all over the internet. In fact, Ben, I'm going to ask him to plug a couple of his stories right now.
1: Well, you can find writing of mine at Motor Trend, at Driving Line, and at Inside Hook.
0: And you can find my work at autotrader.ca, Nouveau Magazine, and The Drive. So Ben, this week we're going to talk about some of the latest news that's been going on around the internet. And uh, there's some pretty cool car stuff to talk about. I want to start with this. uh, There's been some news about Dyson. You know, the vacuum company that also makes cool hair dryers and... Uh, I think a heater or a fan. And ventilators. And ventilators. Um, Dyson, back in 2017, Sir James Dyson, the founder of the company, said that he was going to start uh, looking into electric vehicles, and he wanted to make something very different than what was already offered at the time. And they spent a significant amount of money, and then they abandoned the project in October. So now we're getting some news about what that car was slash is, and uh, that, well, essentially Sir James Dyson here is suggesting that he made the coolest, uh, the best EV ever. Yeah, it's, I so
1: I have so much to say about this because it, when he announced that it was being canceled in October, it was not that big of a deal. Uh, there's been a lot of car companies, small boutique companies, or even, I mean, Apple tried to build a self-driving car and they got out of it. They, after a few years, they just, it was too much of a, the, the profit to loss in automotive is not great. Right. Um, the, the margins are super thin. You're going to put a ton of money developing something that other people have already developed and have been developing for decades. So you're up against, is a huge learning curve and it costs a lot of money to get over that curve. So it's not surprising that Dyson spent 500 million pounds, which is 610 million. His, of his own money. Of his own money. 610 million US dollars developing this one car. But- then he, this this spring, like six months after he announced it's done, he apparently let some people in to take a look at the car. He was the only one who had driven it. They built like a super secret test fortress or something where he drove the car behind walls. Mm-hmm. And now he's letting people look at it. And Sammy, it's just like everything he says about the car makes it sound like it's the, the as you said, the best car ever built. And mm-hmm. And for some reason, they're just not going to, do anything with it. Why don't you tell people all the claims okay. that Dyson's been making? So first of all, the EV
0: was codenamed the N N5, five the N five two six, which is not a great name, um, especially even as a code name. Code names usually have cool names, right? Like Black Mask or, or Foxfire, Foxfire, yes, or Peacemaker or something. Um, so this was a seven seat SUV. It was offering a six hundred mile range and. <laughs> <laughs> what. A pair of electric motors that combined for 538 horsepower and 480 pound-feet of torque. That would mean that it would hit 62 miles per hour in about 4.8 seconds, and had a top speed of 125, which sounds kind of low, but it's actually pretty good for an electric car. He, so he, he, let's just. I read also want to add. I also want to add. Sorry, one very important part of this vehicle was be would be the fact that it would be using solid-state batteries, which are the sort of next-generation battery technology. Um, That is yet to be found in cars today. Almost anything today.
1: So he says, is is it solid-state lithium-ion?
0: Because I've seen him use both. It's a uh, solid-state lithium-ion, I believe, yes. Okay, so
1: I just want to point out that Dyson's claiming he's built a seven-seat truck that does 60 in less than five seconds and can run 600 miles above 70 miles an hour on the highway. Mm -hmm. That is the biggest load of crap I have ever heard none of this you mean- none of this is true Sammy if this person <laughs> I I if sir I Dyson know. had created yeah. this the world's best EV yeah. he would have marketed it or he would have sold it or licensed it to someone else who would market it he would not have just taken all of his marbles back to his crazy castle in England. And just sat around thinking about what he could have done with that $610 million. It makes no sense at all. None of these claims are believable. If any of these claims were real, why didn't we hear about this stuff back in October? Why yeah. are not? Why are other car companies not salivating to get a chance to buy this technology from Dyson? I mean, a company that's well known for cooperating with other companies and patenting stuff and licensing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, yeah. he says that... He's not, doing, he's not building the car because they would have had to sell so many at such a high price to recoup their investment. It doesn't make any sense. And that large car companies are able to sell electric cars at a loss because their fleet sales overall allow them to absorb that. I think it's total crap. And I can't believe that so many media outlets fell for this story. Um, I also want to add the idea that he, him suggesting that the vehicle
0: would be too expensive uh, to sell – it's also crap, because if I've ever seen a, a Dyson product in for sale somewhere, it's still far too expensive for my own liking. I mean, they already <laughs> make some very expensive appliances. Am I wrong? Like, their vacuums are $700. I can't afford that. That's insane. I mean, to suggest that an electric vehicle that would end up costing over $100,000 – You know, there's other automakers that are that are doing this already. The like Teslas can be sold for over 100 uh, can easily reach over $100,000. And uh, there are some other automakers coming on down the line, like uh, I I don't know, if Faraday Future will actually get a product made. But yeah, they can they can be considered something like that. And. It's also the idea that just like you said, if they put the engineering and the time and the money into making something, they could probably outsource it or sell it or license it to somebody else who is probably very excited to be to have the engineering um, knowledge that Dyson brings. Right. Why would they just not do that? I, I'm guessing that they couldn't reach that stage and are using this media um, to to promote it even further.
1: And it's there's a whole bunch of other stuff that like, I'm reading a Rob Report story about the Dyson car and they ask him all these questions about moving to Singapore because apparently he was going to move the whole company to Singapore or he might be moving the whole company to Singapore. And then everyone in England freaked out at him and they called him like a Brexit, tax dodging Brexiteer. Uh, and they paid something like 126. He, he paid $126 million in taxes last year in England. And so they were trying to say that, oh, he's just moving to Singapore so he doesn't have to do that. And it, it's, I don't know if this is kind of a public relations campaign to clean up his image in the wake of all of that stuff. But. Yeah. It just, it's, it's, it's malarkey. It's all malarkey. And it, I'm sorry for, all we have to base this on is James Dyson saying, I built something amazing. There's no proof. No one's tested this. People have seen it, but it hasn't been tested by a third party. It hasn't even been out on public roads as far as we know. So I mean, I mean, it's it's like I said this to you earlier in the day when we were first talking about this. It's like that Simpsons episode where like Bart's watching someone do crazy gymnastics and he's like, "I could do that, but I don't want to." You know, it's like it's just it's a claim. It's a totally frivolous claim.
0: It, I I absolutely agree with you. I think it's uh I think it's absolutely it is bizarre. I think it's so weird, and it's also I just don't see the 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 connections. You know, of anything coming together on the on the, on this project. Nothing seems to make any sense. Be it. Um, what he was proposing, I don't know if there was supposed to be a a price range for his own vehicle, in which case he could have brought down some of the specs of those vehicle, of those components. Do we really need a, a dual motor, 550 horsepower electric vehicle like that? I don't think that's necessary, right? We just need something that has, I think, decent range or really good um, recharge capabilities and. That's the horsepower is just another aspect I, that I'm honestly wasn't su- necessary.
1: I'm honestly surprised he didn't claim that it could also fly and or cure cancer. Like every Absolutely. every the spec list of this vehicle just reads like a wish list of of, of wish lists. Yeah, of every electric
0: uh electric uh, investing automaker. It just doesn't seem it just doesn't seem right. And uh I don't know what you know there are a lot of automakers, uh small automakers that ended up getting kind of picked up by the big uh, by the big automakers like Rivian, uh, they showed their SUV and their pickup, and then they ended up getting a, a package deal with uh, with Ford and Lincoln. So I think that's kind of interesting that they were able to get this kind of off the off the ground. And Dyson, as I said, uh, a company that's known for engineering and marketing, has not been un- unable to, to get anywhere with their. Well, work. I mean,
1: I personally am not surprised Dyson was unable to license its fake car. You know, I mean, big companies are going to do, do are going to do their due diligence. That's just that's true. Journalists, not necessarily, and so that's how we end yeah. up with stories like this.
0: Yeah, um, I want to now change gears and talk about um, some other new cars that are coming that are real. Uh, first of all, this is the Toyota held a, a, a virtual press conference this week. They talked about two new vehicles coming to their lineup that are going to be, as far as I understand, hybrid only. So the first one is the Toyota Venza. So this is a mid-size crossover. Um, I think it's based on the, the, a vehicle known as the Toyota Harrier in Japan. And then the other vehicle is the new Toyota Sienna, which we were talking about uh, not so long ago, but right you, when we were talking about Vans.
1: If so, you say so, I, everything from the last few weeks is just a blank to me. So let's I wake go back up every day and it's a new day, Sammy. I want to talk about the Venza first, because
0: the Venza is a return. I mean, we haven't seen the Ven- the Venza since 2015. It was essentially, at the time, a uh, Camry wagon, I think is the best way to describe it.
1: Not and even it though very- it was like a much bulkier Camry that was small inside. Like it wasn't, <laughs> it was not a very, I, I had a friend who had one and it was just not very practical. Okay. Um, and, and I think the market reflected that it was not super popular and other midsize SUVs in the segment kind of ate its lunch.
0: Yeah, that's an important thing to talk about, because I think at the time, the sized SUV uh, or crossover just wasn't as established as it was today. And it wasn't as popular as it is today. And now Toyota can really, you know, they can come back to this segment with a much more hopefully spacious vehicle um, uh, with more features. And, you know, I think having something that comes standard with 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 hybrid technology, it's a good idea too. Although that might they might bump up the price, right? Like, that's like, what that's I'm thinking.
1: Like, it's, like, it's like this: who is this selling to? I mean, uh, th- I think midsize crossovers were doing fine back when the Venza failed. I, it, it, I don't, you know, the Murano was out. Um, there were there were lots of other similarly sized options. I just think the Venza wasn't a very good vehicle. So the new one definitely has to be better in all ways because things are even more competitive now. But who, who wants a hybrid midsize? A crossover. Like who who is buying that vehicle? Where else can you get that? And is this just going to be another niche?
0: I'm not sure. Um but I will admit that when I drove the Toyota Highlander, which I think is going to be using the same I think it uses the same hybrid powertrain as this uh Venza, I thought it was the mo- the best version of the Highlander that you could get. I would say you would I would tell people to unless you're towing, forget the V6 equipped um Highlander and get the hybrid. And I would imagine that they got that message uh, across the board, probably with the Rav four as well, that people were saying that the hybrid is the only reason to get uh, the Toyota product in that segment. and this is probably what their their game plan is. It'll, it'll be
1: inter- It'll be interesting to see if the Venza takes sales away from the Highlander because the Highlander is probably more profitable because it's more expensive mm-hmm. overall because it's larger and has more passenger capacity. So it, is if the Venza comes in and how are they going to price it so that that doesn't happen? so that that will be interesting. That will be interesting. I also am
0: not sure about the styling at all. I don't think it is. I think Toyota has been trying to do some pretty uh, exciting things with their styling. And the Venza does not have that going on um, at all. It it. far it, it, I really like the design of the RAV4. I wasn't so sold about the Highlander. I think it's a little bland, in my opinion. And I think the Venza skews a little bit more towards the highlander rather than the rav4 and the
1: chr in terms of design but i don't think people want something that's not bland in this segment so i don't think it will ultimately matter all that much
0: the interior is pretty attractive and i think toyota has been doing a really good job with their interiors if only they will change their infotainment system
1: what's interesting well they have changed it it has been updated the one sorry if they make it
0: very good i think it's not like excellent but it is better than what it used to be.
1: Um, the other thing that we kind of haven't mentioned is the Benz is going to be going up directly against the Pilot. Uh, the Pilot? No, the passport. no, sorry, not the Pilot, the uh, Passport. Yeah, the Passport. Yeah. So is that these are very different? I mean, they're positioned very different in the market. Yeah, they're almost kind all of offering things. the same thing.
0: But they also have like uh, polar opposites in terms of marketing and audience, right? Yeah,
1: So it'll be interesting to see how that fares.
0: So, yeah, the Passport is meant to be this this off-road, rugged... Well, faux-roading, you know? Faux-roading, butch kind of vehicle. And the Venza is this uh, hybrid, eco-conscious, maybe a bit more luxury-oriented crossover. And then the other car that we should talk about, though, I I did mention it, the the Sienna. This is a weird look for the Sienna, and we both thought that the the Toyota van the Toyota van needed to get a significant upgrade. I think we had some wish lists on that, um, and I don't think we had
1: um hybrid hybrid was de- hybrid power was definitely not on that wish list. I think we wanted like a nicer interior and just because it's a very expensive vehicle the regular Sienna and now there's not going to be a regular Sienna. There's just going to be a, an electric Sienna, the, the hybrid version. So it's probably going to be still expensive. Um right. It's- but unless you're
0: getting something for that for that money, right? Like mm-hmm. at least that means that you get you're getting something over the alternative uh, vehicles, over the the Honda Odyssey and the baser Pacifica, right?
1: Well, I guess, but you know, there's there is a Pacifica hybrid, so there's a precedent mm-hmm. for this in the segment. Uh, Toyota continues to offer all-wheel drive with this with the Sienna again, which is pretty unique. Except for I think Chrysler just added that this year. Is that yep. is that correct? So yep. they're still in the game. The way they're doing it differently now, though. It's going to be an e, e all-wheel drive system, which is a third electric motor. Okay. Um, and it's optional. You don't, you don't just get it.
0: Yeah. So this is – I don't know. I like the idea of a of a hybrid that can get like nearly 40 miles per gallon. I mean a van that can get nearly 40 miles per gallon. Um, the Chrysler – the hybrid Chrysler is a plug-in hybrid. So I mean that added to the cost. But you also got uh, some incentives. You got some tax rebates I believe if you would purchase something like that. So that also kind of bounced it out a yeah, little bit. Yeah, you
1: won't have that with the Sienna. You won't have that with the Sienna.
0: It's not a plug-in. Um what do you think of the styling of this vehicle?
1: I think it's it's okay. I mean, it's not Our, a caricature of what a van could look like. It does have an enormous grill, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, with and huge air intakes on either side, like really huge.
0: And the taillights are also really uh, aggressive looking. It looks like the the rear end of the new Camry XLE, I guess, or yeah. XSE.
1: So um, but again a segment where styling doesn't really matter. You don't buy a van cuz you want one, you buy a van cuz you need one. And we've talked about how much more practical vans are than than crossovers. Right. So I don't really know how many crossover clients are going to steal away with a sexy looking van or an aggressive looking van. I think really it's a question of you get in the van, you realize it's enormous inside and then you make a practical decision. I want to
0: add one really important aspect for the Sienna. Uh, for the first time, it's now running on TNGA, uh, the TNGA platform. Like same, every other vehicle in like the Toyota. Every lineup. other Toyota. But as far as I understand, no other minivan features a, a modular platform like this. I, I really don't know, but do you think people care about that? No, but I think it's really interesting. Okay, then don't we won't even bring it up then if people don't. If well, I don't know. Air- I mean, do,
1: you think, do you think someone goes into the showroom and is like, hey, I have a question about that minivan's platform? <laughs> no, I don't think that's the – that's not what I was trying to say. But I was trying to bring up
0: the point that I think minivans had a difficult uh, – were a difficult sell for the automaker because they probably needed more um, – uh, its own bespoke platform that would support the the size of them and the space for them. Um, and I mean,
1: if you look at the Honda Odyssey, which sells very well, that's a pilot. It's, it's, it's virtually identical and has been for a long time. And in fact, the pilot got a lot of criticism for not being very different from the van. (laughs) Right. So that's, I mean, that's a little bit easier for
0: them too, because then you've got the, the pilot, the passport and the minivan all on the same platform. And then you've got, uh, as far as I understand the, the, uh, Pacifica is just on its own thing and then the Sienna which will it shares its its platform with a bunch of other cars including the Camry RAV4 and Highlander so they can they can like spread out the costs of developing that and even the 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 uh, of developing it and selling it over some other vehicles more vehicles i think than Honda so we maybe the pricing will be pretty competitive
1: at this point of the podcast. I just want to give a shout out to all the listeners who are still sticking around after a riveting conversation about a vacuum cleaner company, making cars and a minivan. Okay.
0: So you're getting bored
1: about this. I'm not saying that I'm just saying, thanks for sticking with us.
0: Um, I want to add one, one exciting rumor and then I want to change uh, gears really quickly. So first of all, I understand that there is a rumor that a new Lexus IS 500 Will come featuring the Lexus brand's last naturally aspirated V8. So, as we know, Lexus is, is, is pivoting towards twin turbo V6s in their flagship vehicles as well as hybrids. And they're still a really good sounding and really, really nice uh, V8 in their, in their lineup right now. And now they are suggesting that they'll fit that V8 under the hood of the IS 5. Hundred and not an ISF, which so, is what the old sports, car, the old sporty version of the IS used to be.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not excited about this because the RCF had that engine, the GSF had that engine, the ISF. <laughs> I mean, it's been around a long time. I like that engine a lot in the LC. And what makes me sad about this is the LC is going to lose that motor. Like that's for me. That's the takeaway from this. It's like, Oh, we're going to kill this engine and we're going to give you a twin turbo LC that'll probably be really fast, but it won't have that amazing sound and it won't have that same feel. So right. I don't really, I mean, I'll drive it, I guess, and, and reserve my final judgment for that. But nothing about those platforms has ever been exciting in recent memory. Okay. They just haven't been, they've been very heavy and kind of. None I agree stride.
0: with you 100%. The IS and the, you mentioned the RC, are both heavy vehicles. They never felt like sports vehicles, no matter, even the RC F, I didn't think was super fun. It was pretty fast, sounded great, uh, but that was it. I mean, it was, a, it was like a straight line missile, really. Um, but it wasn't as competitive as other vehicles in the segment, like uh, the M4, for example. Yeah. So let's now change gears and talk about affordable sports cars, particularly... Um, vehicles with 650 horsepower, uh, I'm speaking exactly of the Corvette Z06 from 2019, the last generation, the C7 Corvette. The Z06, uh, you mean? Yes, the Z06. So... Maybe you've heard about this, but the rental company Hertz used to have a lot of these performance vehicles, but now Hertz is finding itself in a, in a hard place with the, in, financially, and they're going to flood the used market with their, with their all their old vehicles. And that includes all of these Corvettes, uh, these performance cars, including these Z06 Corvettes.
1: It kind of um, sucks because I'm renting a car from Hertz this weekend because guess what? My Jeep project's still not ready. Oh. Um, and they have to like come up with a huge – Hertz has to come up with a round of funding the day before I get into that rental car or they go bankrupt. And oh. I'm really worried I'm going to show up in the morning and they're going to be like, sorry, we're closed forever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hope that isn't the case. But then again, what happens if you try to return a vehicle of theirs and they're no longer in business? That's a really good
1: question. I guess I just drive into the river. I mean, that was my plan anyway, but... <laughs> into the lake, but yeah. All that keyless return. So, okay, first of all, a Corvette Z06,
0: a very capable vehicle. We actually considered this thing, this and the ZR1, these were like near supercar levels of performance. Yeah. Can you imagine getting this thing
1: for under $60,000? I mean, if it's used, sure. I mean, these aren't new, and and not only that, they've spent most of their mileage has been airborne, right? Like these are rental cars; <laughs> they haven't been driven with care. So they're also all automatics. It's worth mentioning that they're all the eight-speed, which is a good transmission, but not the transmission I would pick.
0: That, that's true. I mean, I... if I
1: was spending sixty k on a car, a sports car, it's going to have a manual transmission. Most of that's it. true. Um, I do think that's a pretty cool. Uh, I mean,
0: it's. It's awesome. I think this is awesome. This is going to be a lot of. In fact, I think the the fallout of COVID nineteen in terms of the enthusiast market will be very interesting. And I think that some people will be able to find um, some interesting cars on the used market, some really um, at, at attractive prices. Or some people will be letting go of some of their toys. Um, oh, that's that's I, nice and vulturish of you, Sammy. So, I don't mean to say that, but I mean it'll be it'll be very cool to see what what shows up uh, on the used car market. And what's, what's so to, there's what's, sorry, go on. There's the z 6s and there's also Hertz had these really cool uh, uh, Camaro ZL1s, which I think uh, are tuned to make even more horsepower, like something near 750 horsepower. Well, from what's Callaway, the,
1: that's right. They're Callaway cars. I thought they were just yeah. standard ZL1s.
0: No Callaway tuned 750 horsepower vl ones wow that's wild
1: well you know i was reading more about those um those z06s and it turns out that hearst had them commissioned to celebrate their 100th anniversary oh great they're like special versions that were built that's why they're in those colors and they, they're the top trim they're three lz's with preferred equipment package so they have every option and they would be ninety three thousand dollars brand new
0: so are you do you still think they're a good
1: deal for for 60 grand? I mean, if you want to roll the dice, okay. Yeah. I mean, I hope they come with a warranty. You know, car companies, a bunch of rental car companies got caught buying lower spec cars a few years ago that didn't even have like side impact airbags. Oh my god. No. So, so yeah, so, so what terrible. happened was what happened was people would buy these cars from rental companies that that were being sold as regular used cars. What they didn't realize was Um, Car rental companies have the ability to do fleet orders with car companies like automakers, and they can be very specific with what they want. And if something is cost too much or something doesn't necessarily add any value as a rental, they won't get that feature. And it turns out that a lot of car companies realized that they didn't care about your safety. So they were ordering cars without side impact airbags. And people only found out when they went to get work done at the dealerships, and the dealerships would run like a scan through the safety systems and find out these components were missing, and Hertz or whoever—I'm not saying it was Hertz. I can't remember the names of the companies. There was more than one. They never told the seller, the buyers, that these cars were defeatured. That's nuts.
0: Would yeah. you ever consider buying? a – I mean, now after hearing that uh, that story, I probably shouldn't even bring it actually, up. My parents
1: actually—my parents actually bought a rental car. I think once when I was growing up. I don't remember the details. I would never do it because. Mm-hmm. These cars are just they're, they're they're carelessly maintained i mean they're you know no one cares about a rental car, so I'd prefer to have something with a less sketchy history, especially Bush. a very expensive very high end sports car like this because I mean if something goes wrong th- these are cars that already have a history of overheating the uh right. th- that particular supercharged engine and the supercharger itself have some issues, so I don't know it's just it's it's too much of a of a, of a dice roll for me I hear you I think
0: uh, as, particularly with a performance vehicle, I probably not consider. Uh, a rental car company uh, unless I was really desperate or I had some extra money to to sort of support um, the the associated maintenance costs or getting it back to sort of a regular spec.
1: Plus there's the uh, smell. I mean, there's that rental car smell. That's true. Rental car. What is with that smell? You're going to
0: tell me all about it next week.
1: I have a funny story about a rental car smell though is uh, one <laughs> time I was at, I was at the airport and I was picking up a car to drive about six hours a lot on a road trip and it was i can't remember the car i picked up initially but i got to the edge of the parking lot and the check engine light came on and i was like okay that's not good so i came back to the counter and the guy's like all right i'll give you another car but i only have one car left and it just came back in and we haven't had a chance to like take care of it yet completely or so, so he gave me some story and i'm like okay fine i mean i have no options i need to go what is it so he gives me the keys to this corolla i opened the door It smells the worst combination of, like, old lady perfume and cigarettes that you've ever imagined.
0: Just like... Oh, that's not so so bad.
1: Overwhelming (laughs) cigarette smell that someone had tried to cover with, I guess, 10 bottles of Glade or Lysol or something. (laughs) So, I have no choice. I get in the car and I'm driving it. And uh, over time, the parts of my nose that detect those particular bouquets, I guess, began to die. (laughs) And I didn't really notice it so much. And I got to my destination. It was at my aunt's aunt and uncle's house. And um, my my aunt saw me pull into the driveway and she came over to the door to help me unload the car. And I opened the door to the car and she took three steps back physically, (laughs) like immediately on me opening the door. And that's when I realized how horrific it smelled. And right. I didn't drive it again for the rest of the trip. We just let it sit. And then I think I came back, and I made a complaint, and they just refunded everything. Like, no complaints. They knew right away what car I was talking about. <laughs> I love that you. they even refunded you after
0: they warned you originally. So oh, yeah. I guess they, but they really had no other option, right? I mean, Brad? maybe the car
1: was also haunted. I don't know. But it was everything definitely is, horrible.
0: Everything is haunted in some way or another, really, when you think about it. Are you thinking about
1: it? I'm trying not to. Okay.
0: Um, I think that's it for this week's episode. Next week, we'll also have some pretty cool car news to talk about. Uh, There's a new Acura TLX that's going to be showing up next week. So that'll be fun to talk about. And I think GM has been sharing some details about its upcoming Hummer. So I'm excited to talk to you about that next week.
1: And I might have some Jeep progress to announce. We're still waiting for drive shafts. The company that's supposed to make them is still only making quote unquote essential drive shafts. (laughs) Not that I know what that means, but apparently I'm not on that list. So uh, once I'm on that list, I will be driving my project. And I'm very excited for that to happen because absolutely everything else about the truck is finished. Awesome. So if you want to.
0: You know, if, you have, if you're listening to this podcast for the first time you don't, and you want to subscribe, you want to hear next week's episode, I think the best thing you can do is go to our website. That's unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And when you're there, you can find a link to all of your favorite podcatchers, including Spotify, to subscribe um, to our podcast. Additionally, you can see all of our previous episodes um, along with photos and links to stories that we've written about the cars that we we're talking about.
1: And if you want to get in touch with us, uh, Sammy, um, or anyone who's listening, I know Sammy knows how to get in touch with me, you can do that in a number of ways. You can find us on social media. Sammy is on Twitter and his handle is at Sammy underscore, huh? Like you're laughing. You can find me on Instagram at Hunting Benjamin, or you can send me email the old fashioned way, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com.
0: Excellent. So we can't wait to talk to you next week. I'm looking forward to it, Ben. So take care. Bye-bye.